Hello and welcome to season four, episode two of the Firebird Nest. I am your host, Fabio. And I'm your editor, Anissa. And today we have a very special guest, Ms. Suarez, who is our college advisor here at Doral. We're going to be asking her some common questions about the college application process and how we can transition during this big time of our life. So, Miss, we are obviously very busy every year because of, of course, students going into college. So how is that going so far? So we're just getting started, just finished um, all of my senior presentations and having a great time meeting individually with students with, you know, follow up questions. So it's, it's going, it's starting, it's the, starting the rather quickly. The ball's starting to Yes. Roll. But you finally yes. finished presentations, but I'm sure you've had many students that, like you said, pop in very often to ask questions. Yes. So um, right when I was doing the presentation, that opened up the students to go ahead and email me and, and set up time to meet with me individually. Um, I have open door policy, so they can pop in, you know, before school, during lunch or after school for quick questions. But for more individual one-on-one -on -one time, they do reach out to me and I schedule them during an elective period. So right. that's been going. That's, that's going. really good. <laughs> well, for those who have, you know, some questions today, we're going to be asking you a couple ones, most the most, most common. common questions that you probably have seen throughout all these years. And also for those students to get more comfortable into, you know, of course, popping in and asking and not be shy because it's better... Um, to ask then not know and not ask exactly exactly so um eventually a lot of students you know we're told that throughout high school we need to take our SATs and ACTs uh, here in Doral Academy we're implemented that Doral gives you at least once a year to take the SAT or ACT for the school but um let's say I'm going to a school that does not require SAT or SAT for example in my case Embry-Riddle does not require SAT scores however should I still take it and present my SAT scores yeah, so we, we definitely want our students at Doral to take uh, both SAT and ACT at least for, you know, one time of each. Um, and that's for several reasons. Number one, all of the universities, all of the public universities in the state of Florida still require the SAT or ACT. Um, if a student is applying to a school that doesn't require SATs and ACTs, which is possible since covid Lots of schools, especially upper tier schools, have gone test optional. Um, we still recommend that they do so because if they're good test takers, then it's always good to present what they've done, not only with their academics and extracurricular, but also um, show their SAT and ACTs. So we, yes, so to answer your question, we recommend that they take um, both at least once. And to follow up with that, now that there are a lot of test optional schools, let's say we've already taken our SAT or ACT, how should we decide if our score should be sent? Like whether it'll help our application or hurt us? Right. So all of the schools um, have on their own, on their website, they do have and they report their mid 50%, mm -hmm. right? So that just gives the historical um, trend for those schools of what type of students they accept. And so you will see the mid 50% for SATs and ACT. If you're an excellent student academically, you have the extracurricular, you have the rigor, and you did very well on either the SAT or the ACT, and it's within that mid 50% or even higher, then it's to your benefit to go ahead and submit that as well. 
Uh, on the other side, if you're not a great test taker, but you're an excellent student, you've pursued rigor, you have the GPA, you have the extracurricular, it's perfectly okay not to submit test scores if the school is um, test optional. That is, of course, like one of the few steps and one of the many steps that we have to take through our senior year to get there. Of course, we have the admission process, um, which that falls under the SAT and essays that we have to turn in. However, how does um, the financial aid application differ from the admission process? Because a lot of students get confused and they say, should I apply to scholarships already or should I apply to college first or vice versa? So what's the difference between both processes? So, so you're kind of doing them simultaneously. You're always searching for available national scholarships, right? Some of them are, are due rather quickly at the beginning of the senior year, so you don't want to wait till you finish applications to start those um, however there are two different processes you're you're applying for the school based on your academics right but for financial aid or scholarships you're looking for money and so there are two separate applications um, there are deadlines just like they are deadlines for um, scholarships, um, there's scholarship, there's application um, deadlines. So my recommendation for students is to look at the information and kind of organize themselves, whatever is useful to them. Um, I like a spreadsheet, but it can be lists um, and just maintaining track of when you can be applying for the different um, applications. And for all of the schools, you know, all schools have their own scholarships, so it's advisable that students apply to schools early rather than later. So November 1st is usually a good priority deadline to get all of those applications so that they're in that pool of um, scholarship if the school has those scholarships to offer. Okay, great. And to continue on with the application process, for schools that require you to either put in an, like a major that you're interested in, how important is choosing that specific major? Like, does one major change the probability of you getting accepted or does it not really have that much of a difference? So for most schools, that's not going to be impactful. Mm -hmm. um, schools ask for the students to declare a major, but that's more um, for um, tracking purposes to see how many students have applied for business or how many have applied to biology. Um, but I also have to say that, you know, if you're um, going into a specific STEM major, for example, science, technology, engineering, or math, um, and that's the declared major, right, a STEM right. Um, major, and you don't have the prerequisites, then it might not be advantageous to getting into that right. program. So if you're going into engineering, the school, and if it's a you know competitive university, it's going to want to see that you have done the work yeah. to get into that major. Okay. Right. Um, so as this year ends, of course, we're graduating, we're leaving. It's a new stage of all the seniors' lives, and everyone who graduates high school, it changes. But I remember ever since I entered freshman year, um, especially if you're a good student who's advanced and finished most of your credits before you even graduate, um, Counselors usually tell you to take uh, AP credits or dual enrollment. However, do all colleges uh, throughout the state or even the nation accept the dual enrollments and AP credits that the students take throughout high school? 
That's an excellent question because we do, as counselors, encourage our students to pursue rigor um, because it's gotten so competitive to get into universities that you almost have to have that rigor. Um, AP in a, in a school like ours, we have 34 AP um, credits, so you do have to show that you've pursued that rigor. We also have dual enrollment. But students need to keep in mind that the reasons why you pursue the rigor might not necessarily mean transferring credits. So in the state of Florida, all of the public universities will accept the dual enrollment credits, right? As long as you stay in state. And they will accept the AP credits so long as you have a three or four or five on the exam. Once you're looking at more competitive universities, the more uh, you know, uh, upper tier universities, they really, um, they're based on the philosophy that they want students to be on their campuses for four years. Mm -hmm. So you had to have taken that rigor, the AP and the dual enrollment, in order to even be competitive enough to apply and to be considered, but they do, won't necessarily take AP credits uh, and dual enrollments because, like I said, they, they're based on the fact that they want you there for four years. Right. And so that's they, usually the very upper upper tier university. So they usually have to you know, be careful and if you have an idea of what you want to do, research the university and see what kinds of credits they take in. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, you never lose out on taking rigor, uh, regardless of whether you're going to get credits or not get credits, the taking the rigor, the um, AP credits, the dual enrollment, the honors, you're doing that to prepare for college and to show college that you're college ready and that you are competitive. So that's the reason why you take it, not so much for the credits that you're going to get. And alongside with, obviously, course rigor, it's important to have extracurriculars. So how detailed should we be on our resume? Like, if it's, should we just put clubs or, like, honor societies, or should we, any activity we've participated in, like, for consecutive amount of years, should we include that too? Like what's, yeah, I think what's that colleges much? really want um, consistency. Mm -hmm. um, consistency, you know, throughout the years shows that you're very passionate about that, that it's important to you. Kind of overrides, you know, saying that you've been in multiple different clubs and saying, hey, I dedicated right. three, Absolutely, four years absolutely. Something. Showing that you've been consistent. Um, and at the end of the day, those activities should really highlight your strength, your uniqueness. Mm -hmm. So if you've done something that perhaps is not a school activity, but you've right. done it outside of school, and it highlights something that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. I see students that you know have done taekwondo mm -hmm. or have done you know piano or, or different activities that they don't do in school. You definitely want to include that which, in your extracurricular. Which will help you highlight, like for example, I want to study aviation and I am going to an aviation school and I am getting my private license that just stands out. Absolutely, from the rest, right? that's what that resume highlights. Something that they can't see in the, in the actual region. yeah in the transcript. Yeah. You're highlighting what you do outside of school hours. Okay. Right. So um, a lot of, not all universities, like we've talked before, we mentioned, uh, they don't all require essays, right? And some of them do, some of them don't at all. But however, there are those that are not mandatory. They're in the middle. So if the university I'm applying to does not require a mandatory essay, do you still recommend we do it? Yes, if it's optional, I say you do it. Um, the essay, as scary as it seems to some students, is a great opportunity for students to tell their story. 
Remember, they're looking at an application, but they're looking at hundreds and hundreds of other applications. They're looking at hundreds and hundreds of other transcripts. Your essay is your chance to show who you are and, and, and to show your, your personality, your, your passion, um, your story. Tell your story. Tell admissions something that they can't see from the rest of your application. So if it's not asked for, then don't send it. Right. But if it's optional, by all means, that take could, the time to do that. That could even be your one-way ticket. Well, maybe not your one-way <laughs> ticket, not your one-way ticket, but it, it, it gives another layer into who you are, and that can also be helpful. I know that admissions, when, when we meet with admissions counselors, we hear how important that essay is, and it, sometimes it makes the difference between a great student and a not-so-great, the not-so-great really you know, told his story or uh, her story, and, and that's an important thing to do in the application process. And to continue off of that, we're going to be, some of us are going to be applying to schools that have like multiple supplementals. Some are optional. Do you think there's any case where a optional supplemental essay could hurt us? Like, let's say the essay isn't very strong, or like the 250 word essay isn't very strong. Do you think it could hurt us, or do you think it's always there to help us? Yeah, those supplementals are there for a reason. Uh -huh. It's to give students an extra chance mm -hmm. to say something extra. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there's a, an optional uh, supplemental on the Common App that I tell students, you know, really think about doing that and yeah. that's where they tell students is there something that you want admissions to know mm -hmm. so if there's something in that you know in that student in that student history that they can't see maybe it was you know an off year yeah. right covid was one of those or maybe it was something else you know a, a grade or a test score that perhaps doesn't reflect who the student is right. take that opportunity um, again when it's optional of course you have the option but by all means, take every opportunity to tell your story. Right. Okay. All right. Well, Miss, thank you so much for uh, coming here today and giving us a bit more insight to everyone uh, about college so that way we can all feel more comfortable. And thank you guys for tuning in on another episode of The Fire of a Nest. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. Our TikTok is Dural Academy. Our Instagram is Dural Academy Preparatory. And make sure to keep up with Miss Suarez on Dural Cap's Instagram. And Thank we'll you. see you on the next episode of The Fireburn.